Chapter Three of Penrod. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jonathan Burchard, March two thousand nine. Penrod by Booth Tarkington. Chapter Three, The Costume. After lunch, his mother and his sister Margaret, a pretty girl of nineteen, dressed him for the sacrifice. They stood him near his mother's bedroom window and did what they would to him. During the earlier anguishes of the process he was mute, exceeding the pathos of the stricken calf in the shambles, but a student of eyes might have perceived in his soul the premonitory symptoms of a sinister uprising. At a rehearsal, in citizens' clothes, attended by mothers and grown-up sisters, Mrs. Laura Rubush had announced that she wished the costume to be as medieval and artistic as possible. Otherwise, and as to detail, she said, she would leave the costumes entirely to the good taste of the children's parents. Mrs. Schofield and Margaret were no archaeologists, but they knew their taste was as good as that of other mothers and sisters concerned. So with perfect confidence they had planned and executed a costume for Penrod, and the only misgiving they felt was connected with the tractability of the child Sir Lancelot himself. Stripped to his underwear, he had been made to wash himself vehemently. Then they began by shrouding his legs in a pair of silk stockings, once blue, but now mostly whitish. Upon Penrod they visibly surpassed mere ampleness, but they were long, and it required only a rather loose imagination to assume that they were tights. The upper part of his body was next concealed from view by a garment so peculiar that its description becomes difficult. In 1886 Mrs. Schofield, then unmarried, had worn at her coming-out party a dress of vivid salmon silk which had been remodelled after her marriage to accord with various epochs of fashion until a final unskilful campaign at a dye-house had left it in a condition certain to attract much attention to the wearer mrs schofield had considered giving it to della the cook but had decided not to do so because you could never tell how della was going to take things and cooks were scarce it may have been the word medieval in mrs laura rubush's rich phrase which had inspired the idea for a last conspicuous usefulness. At all events, the bodice of that once salmon dress, somewhat modified and moderated, now took a position for its farewell appearance in society upon the back, breast, and arms of the child, Sir Lancelot. The area thus costumed ceased at the waist, leaving a jagger-like and unmedieval gap thence to the tops of the stockings. The inventive genius of woman triumphantly bridged it, but in a manner which imposes upon history almost insuperable delicacies of narration. Penrod's father was an old-fashioned man. The twentieth century had failed to shake his faith in red flannel for cold weather, and it was while Mrs. Schofield was putting away her husband's winter underwear that she perceived how hopelessly one of the elder specimens had dwindled, and simultaneously she received the inspiration which resulted in a pair of trunks for the child Sir Lancelot and added an earnest bit of color, as well as a genuine touch of the Middle Ages to his costume. Reversed, fore to aft, with the greater part of the legs cut off, and strips of silver braid covering the seams, this garment, she felt, was not traceable to its original source. When it had been placed upon Penrod, the stockings were attached to it by a system of safety pins, not very perceptible at a distance. Next, after being severely warned against stooping, Penrod got his feet into the slippers which he wore to dancing school, patent leather pumps, now decorated with large pink rosettes. "'If I can't stoop,' he began smolderingly, "'I'd like to know how I'm going to kneel in this pad 
you must manage this uttered through pins was evidently thought to be sufficient they fastened some ruching about his slender neck pin ribbons at random all over him and then margaret thickly powdered his hair oh yes that's all right she said replying to a question put by her mother they always powdered their hair in colonial times it doesn't seem right to me exactly objected mrs schofield gently sir lancelot must have been ever so long before colonial times that doesn't matter margaret reassured her nobody'll know the difference mrs laura rubish least of all i don't think she knows a thing about it though of course she does write splendidly and the words of the pageant are just beautiful stand still penrod the author of harold ramirez had moved convulsively besides powdered hair's always becoming look at him you'd hardly know it was penrod the pride and admiration with which she pronounced this undeniable truth might have been thought tactless but penrod not analytical found his spirit somewhat elevated no mirror was in his range of vision and though he had submitted to cursory measurements of his person a week earlier he had no previous acquaintance with his costume he began to form a not unpleasing mental picture of his appearance something somewhere between the portraits of george washington and a vivid memory of miss julia marlowe at a matinee of twelfth night he was additionally cheered by a sword which had been borrowed from a neighbor who was a knight of pythias finally there was a mantle an old golf cape of margaret's fluffy polka dots of white cotton had been sewed to it generously also it was ornamented with a large cross of red flannel suggested by a picture of a crusader in a newspaper advertisement the mantle was fastened to penrod's shoulder that is to the shoulder of mrs schofield's ex-bodice by means of large safety pins and arranged to hang down behind him touching his heels but obscuring nowise the glory of his facade then at last he was allowed to step before a mirror it was a full-length glass and the worst immediately happened it might have been a little less violent perhaps if penrod's expectations had not been so richly and poetically idealized but as things were the revolt was volcanic victor hugo's account of the fight with the devilfish in toilers of the sea encourages a belief that had hugo lived and increased in power he might have been equal to a proper recital of the half-hour which followed penrod's first sight of himself as the child sir lancelot but mr wilson himself dastard but elegant foe of harold ramirez could not have expressed with all the vile dashes at his command the sentiments which animated penrod's bosom when the instantaneous and unalterable conviction descended upon him that he was intended by his loved ones to make a public spectacle of himself in his sister's stockings and part of an old dress of his mother's to him these familiar things were not disguised at all there seemed no possibility that the whole world would not know them at a glance the stockings were worse than the bodice he had been assured that these could not be recognized, but seeing them in the mirror, he was sure that no human eye could fail at first glance to detect the difference between himself and the former purpose of these stockings. Fold, wrinkle, and void shrieked their history with a hundred tongues, invoking earthquake, eclipse, and blue ruin. The frantic youth's final submission was obtained only after a painful telephonic conversation between himself and his father, the latter having been called up and upon by the exhausted Mrs. Schofield to subjugate his offspring by wire. The two ladies made all possible haste after this to deliver Penrod into the hands of Mrs. Laura Rubush. Nevertheless, they found opportunity to exchange earnest congratulations upon his not having recognized the humble but serviceable paternal garment now brilliant about the Lancelotish middle. 
Altogether, they felt that the costume was a success. Penrod looked like nothing ever remotely imagined by Sir Thomas Mallory or Alfred Tennyson. For that matter, he looked like nothing ever before seen on earth. But as Mrs. Schofield and Margaret took their places in the audience at the Women's Arts and Guildhall, the anxiety they felt concerning Penrod's elocutionary and gesticular powers, so soon to be put to public test, was pleasantly tempered by their satisfaction that, owing to their efforts, his outward appearance would be a credit to the family. End of chapter 3